welcome to the Renaissance Polymath. I'm your host, Toby Gagnon, and this time I am joined by my wife, Cassie. And on this episode, we would like to discuss personal wellness. Let's go ahead and get things started. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming down to the podcast studio, which is, well, our renovated den. It's our study now because we're trying to we're trying to read more books. So we've got some beautiful bookshelves and we've got rid of the ugly couch <laughs> that was in here. Now we're actually in some decent chairs. How you doing? Good. Yeah, it was a real far commute. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, from upstairs to downstairs. So obviously I know why I asked you to be on this episode today It to, to talk specifically about this topic, but I can't impart my knowledge to the listeners. So instead of me going on and on and on about how awesome you are, I have a bias. I married <laughs> you, right? But would you mind giving the listeners a better understanding of your expertise for this topic, personal wellness, by walking through some of your background and some of the credentials and, and certif- certifications that you've earned uh, as it relates? Absolutely. So I started personal training, actually doing the job about seven years ago. My certification is through NASM, the National Academy of Sports and Medicine. Over the years, I've expanded outside of just training into more detailed taking classes on nutrition, behavior change, more uh, performance-specific training. And this year, I actually was able to complete my pre- and postnatal certification so I can start working with pregnant and postpartum women. Um, You know, being a trainer is just so much more than knowing how to work out a lot and eat really well, which obviously I've done a lot of that as well. (laughs) Um, but it's to me about the science and application, which is why I picked NASM, um, because they focus on the science part of it. And then the application comes through with the over hundred women that I've worked with. Uh, I do often use myself as a test subject, um, but everybody is so different. Um, so I can kind of get an idea of things and how it's going to apply to somebody, you know, very similar to myself, whether it's their lifestyle or their body type. Um, but really everything's different and everyone kind of defines their own personal wellness differently. Well, so how do you define it? How do you define personal wellness? To me, and this has changed over the years, um, you know, I used to think it was as long as I had a little tiny bit of ab lines or, you know, just felt like I looked good, that was the answer. But really now I know, and to me it's this phase of my life is, I always say if you take care of your body, it's going to take care of you because there are so many connections to your gut, for example, in just how you feel. Um, so by taking care of yourself, it's really going to take care of your mind and your body at the same time. So you're saying they're connected. You're saying if you, t- if you take care of and focus on something specific, would you say tangible? You mentioned you know ab lines and things like that. Would it be something tangible that they, you can see the change, that that helps with the mental part of it, or does it, does it really matter? Uh, It's a little bit of both. There's going to be a lot less physical change than people think that you can quickly see. Um, But mentally and physically, you will just you'll feel better. You'll notice you're sleeping better that, you know, you have more energy, things like that. You can digest food better. So you're not super bloated all of the time. Those are things that to me is a sign of your personal wellness. Like you feel like crap, then you're probably treating your body like crap. So So going out, uh, you know, for for take out food every night at a bar, bar food, let's say, and packing on all the, the, the bar drinks <laughs> on top of it is not necessarily doing the best for you. Even if you work out, let's say you religiously, you get up every morning, you go to the gym and you spend an hour at the gym, regardless of what you do or how, 
how intense you do it. Um, if you spend an hour at the gym, going to the bar and eating that kind of food and drinking those drinks might not actually give you the results you're looking for. Probably not. I mean, it's cliche, but you truly cannot outwork a bad diet and you can't out eat not moving your body. So so you're saying even if you don't move your body, let's say you're like, oh, well, I'm just going to cut back on what I eat. But if you don't add in the exercise part of it, you can't consume fewer calories enough to overcome just not moving your body. Correct. After a while, your body figures it out and will continue to adapt. Um, And you're also not by not eating a lot and not moving your body, you're not really benefiting it outside of maybe losing some weight, which could be beneficial. But if your end goal is to feel better and look better without strength training, you're not, in my opinion, you won't get there. Okay, I see what you're saying. So what you're saying is when you said your body adapts, what you mean is it gets used to it. It gets used to that? Yep. Your body is built to survive. So the number one thing your body wants to do is survive. And if you are constantly not feeding it or over-exercising, you know, any sides of those spectrums, your body is going to adapt. So, um, you know, the popular trend over the last... 20 plus years is women should be eating 1200 calories. Well, I'll tell you right now, my three and a half year old probably eats more than that. (laughs) And you've witnessed it. And, you know, 1200 calories of energy just isn't enough and your body will get used to it. So as soon as you go out to the bar that one night, have a couple of drinks. And if you do that every weekend after, you know, restricting the 1200 calories during the week, you're going to be like, why am I gaining weight? I'm only eating this much. And it's because, well, you you overfed it and your body severely reacts to those changes. Um, it was as if you you were you were looking for uh, you were looking for something and you couldn't find it, couldn't find it. And all of a sudden you came across a stash of it. You're going to fill your pockets with as much of it as you can mm-hmm. to hold on to it so that you can use it down the road. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you'll hear the term like starvation mode and that's. There's a lot more to it, but that's the basic. So system. so the, the <laughs> general layman's term is starvation mode. So if somebody wants to look up what is what are they talking about? You could Yeah, you'll you probably could. find a lot of crap out on Google. So I don't recommend Googling any of that. Yeah, <laughs> but okay. that's good to know. Um, so that's personal wellness. So what got you interested in personal wellness? When did your journey start and, and kind of what did it look like at the beginning? Yeah. So, I mean, I've always been active since the time I could walk. I was kicking a ball. I played soccer at the age of four, played volleyball, lacrosse, like pretty much anything. I was just always staying active. And even through college, you know, I played pickup sports and things like that. Um, And I was, you know, that girl that probably wasn't eating enough during the week and was going out and, you know, binging at the bars on the weekend and not feeling very good. still in high school? What? Are you still in high school I benching said, at the bars? I said college. Oh, okay. You moved on to college. <laughs> I said even through college, um, <laughs> and being on your own, you know, no home-cooked meals. You have to go to the dining hall or pay for your own food. So you probably just don't eat as much of it until it's really cheap <laughs> on the weekends and you're splitting a pizza with your friends. Um, and so I definitely wasn't very good there. And I didn't know the first thing about being at a gym. Like my activity always came from sports. And so being at a gym was super intimidating. And I remember there was, you know, what was deemed the girl side of the weight room and then the actual weight room, which is where all the guys were. So, you know, all the ellipticals and the small weights, free weights were on one side. And then 
all the actual weights and barbells and machines were on another. And I didn't dare go over there, even though I worked there and I knew everybody still didn't dare go over there. Um, and I actually remember sitting in the gym. I got a phone call. It was like the day after two days after my college graduation. And my father was being rushed for emergency surgery, triple bypass aortic valve replacement. And I knew that there was no way treating my body like I was going to outrun my family history. So you were actually sitting in the gym. You said you you worked there. So you're sitting in the gym and you get the phone call that that your father's obviously had had a heart problem. And you, in the moment, maybe in that moment or maybe slightly after, realized there's a family history thing here. And you're going to have to actively do something unless you want to end up that way. Mm-hmm. So, so you made, did you make that connection then or was it later on? It definitely, obviously it took a while after the shock of everything, but, um, it probably took me another five years or so until I really moved here down South and, you know, I could be outdoors more and really started with running. Cause I'm like, Oh, cardiovascular running. And, you know, I also thought I'd see a lot more changes in my body, but I was what I would call skinny fat or you call skinny fat. And I really couldn't figure it out. I was like, I'm doing better with eating and we were just eating more at home. We weren't going, we don't go out a lot and I'm running a couple of times a week. Like what's going on? And so I started doing the research and. So skinny fat, I'll just elaborate on that a little bit. Skinny mm-hmm. fat, what, what I mean when I say skinny fat and you've jaded me and I'll, I'll, I'll do a little, uh, foreshadowing here you've jaded me so skinny fat is what i would call someone who is proportionate who is thin who obviously cares about their physical image but the only thing that they're doing is what you mentioned before which is basically starving themselves which is uh, they're not taking in enough calories therefore their body obviously is using what it has and what it has in stores and that is how they're maintaining their image there's no tone there's no muscle definition they're usually weak and usually tired that's what I mean by skinny fat for those listening yeah (laughs) um and so I I remember being like oh well maybe if I just run more so I actually joined a local group that helps people train for half and full marathons and I learned my body doesn't really like running at that uh intensity or that distance And, um, my shin splints were acting up a lot and there was just so much to it. And after we got married, I was like, you know what? Let me join a gym. When I get back, I remember sitting on our honeymoon going, I'm going to join a gym when I get back. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be afraid. And I met a trainer there who really opened my eyes up to what strength training is and how lifting weights is going to be way more beneficial on your body than running would be, um, at least for what I was going for at the time. And so that sparked what me. What were you going for at the time? I don't even remember. I didn't, I don't think I really knew. I just think I wanted to feel good, look good. Did you hire this trainer or did you just happen upon them in the gym? Uh, so when you join the gym, it was like you get a five free sessions or whatever. Oh, okay. Um, and so we actually became friends. Rachel was her name. And uh, she just really opened my eyes up to, well, you could still run, but you can also do all these other things. And she opened my eyes up to the world of bodybuilding. Oh, boy. 
And that's when I was like, all right, I want to learn more about this because I'm a nerd at heart. I know you are too. Mm-hmm. It's part of, nerd. yeah. And learning into it, I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to go study for this, this exam and get all these books and read them. And uh, that's where I found NASM. And that's kind of where it all started. I just got so into learning about how the calories you take in turn into energy and then using your muscles in this way helps your body do this. And if you do a different style of training, it does this and just how wide open the world of personal wellness really can be. Like it doesn't have to be one thing. It can be whatever you want it to be. And I knew that if I was struggling with figuring that out, so many other people like me were too. And so that's where I got into the whole personal training. So you actually didn't get credentials or certifications with the understanding that you were going to be an instructor, a teacher, a trainer. You actually did it because you just wanted to go deep dive. You wanted to learn. You wanted to be knowledgeable about it. And the training aspect of it actually just came by happenstance. Was that something you actively were looking to do? Like, hey, now that I have these credentials and I kind of understand it, I want to be a trainer. Or did somebody come up and just say, hey, you kind of look like you know what you're doing. Do you mind teaching me? Mm Uh, so it's, it just started with me talking about sharing my knowledge at work and got excited talking about it more and then people asking for help. So I would just help. I didn't like have them pay me or anything. I would just give them some pointers or some recipes or, you know, tips to here. Maybe you should try this split at the gym. And then I was like, oh, I, somebody at work, a girl there was like, you should get paid to do this. And I was like, you can get paid to do this. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, that's where I think it really started. Uh, Probably not too long after the years just are all a blur at this point. I started working at Orange Theory Fitness and they were just opening up a What got you interested in Orange Theory? I was just looking for a place I could go train in person with people that had the hours that wasn't a gym. Um, I didn't, I interviewed at the gym. When you say, when you say a gym, help me understand, help our listeners understand what, what do you mean when you say a gym? Because when I think of a gym, I think of high school gymnasium, like Ah. like basketball courts all around or the, the, (laughs) the football weight room, which was holy that you talk about clicks. Okay. And and I grew up playing sports. I'm (laughs) a, I'm a jock nerd. It's, it's a weird combination. Football, I did not fit in with those guys very well. I played baseball, um, loved hockey, but I played baseball. And so the football guys and me didn't really, we didn't really see eye to eye, let's say. Yeah, no, not that kind of. So what's a gym? Gym is just, uh, gosh, it's so hard to describe. It's a basic place, a place that you can go that has the weights, the cardio equipment, the machines, Okay, so you're talking like a Planet Fitness. Yeah, Planet Fitness. Okay, so not like a Y, or a YMCA kind of? Yeah, YMCA is great. They have other options, you know, like basketball courts and stuff. Okay, so YMCA is not a traditional, just a gym. A YMCA is a gym plus more. Yeah, so when I say I didn't want to be a trainer at a gym, I didn't want to be limited to, well, these are all of the things, like, you have to go buy that gym's really like rules and they give you a lot of the stuff you don't really get to do as much of it on your own um whereas orange theory and like a studio i wanted to get to know the people and work with more people you know 
um, I never thought I would be a group fitness instructor. That's for sure. But what? So that's what Orange Theory is. Orange Theory is group, group fitness. fitness. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Versus, hey, I just show up on my own whenever I can. I do my little spiel, whether it's with a trainer or by myself, and then I'm out the door. Group fitness is, we start at six. You got to be here by five fifty-five for yep. roll call, and we get rolling at six, kind of thing. Yep. And honestly, that was that was the most fun I've ever had as a personal trainer. Sorry to all my clients out there, you know that I work with remotely, but. Being in person at a studio like that and having those people that want to be there, that like being around each other, I mean, there's nothing like it. And I learned so much because you have to very quickly, you know, identify people that may be struggling and help them in a way that doesn't make them feel bad. You have to be the one bringing the energy to motivate everybody. Um, it's actually very outside. If you know me in real life, I am not the extroverted you are, you are yelling a in a microphone like, come on, guys, give me 10 more. Re-. That is not me at all. Who, um, who are those infomercial people? The old um, oh. P90X guys. What, oh, my what God. Tony something called? or other. Uh, What's the name of that organization? Uh, Beach, Beach, Beach Body. Beach Body. There you yeah. go. Oh, she says it with a little bit of sass there. Don't Beach get me body. started on that. Okay, maybe we will a little <laughs> later on. Um, so continuing your journey. So, so you get your credentials. You wanted to work at a gym. You, you chose the group fitness route. You've explained all the reasons why and how much you really enjoyed it. Do you still? I do not. Uh, I couldn't keep up with getting up at 3.30 in the morning, driving down there, working two classes, driving home, showering, getting ready for my nine to five job, and then also potentially doing it after again. It just, one was a lot of time away from home and two was exhausting. So uh, full, full, full disclosure here. I am totally leading her into this because I was part of the reason I was like, Hey, I see you for like literally 30 minutes a day. You come home from work and (laughs) you eat dinner with me and then either you're out doing something or you're prepping for the rest of the week. And then you go to bed at like 7.30 or 8 <laughs> o'clock. So, hey, hi, I'm your husband. I, I live here too. Yeah, even just doing that a couple of times a week is was a lot. It was a lot. And I, I, uh, I'm I, very thankful that you chose to spend a little bit more time <laughs> with me. And I hope I didn't kill your kill your vibe. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Ah? What do you mean, ah? <laughs> no, I'm very <laughs> glad. And to be honest, now there's no way I you're could treat- do it with a you're child. You're treating this podcast like a therapy session right now. <laughs> You too. <laughs> this is true. This is true. All right, so um, so you're through all that. Is there anything more as you continue with your with your train your your personal wellness journey? Yeah, I mean, oh gosh, uh, it's gonna be a long podcast if I had to talk you through everything. No, but, I don't just just high level stuff. Uh, so after that, you know, we I did a couple of bodybuilding shows myself. You know, no you big did. Deal. Yeah, gosh, those were fun. I okay, so all about I'll, that. I'm gonna. Yeah, you <laughs> know, I actually was going through some stuff today, and I found your um, the booklets oh that the gosh. photographers Ooh. took, and and you know, you get the four four picture spread. Yeah. Um, so I'll I'll jump in here a little bit. So from from the outside looking in, you did a ton of work to prepare for those shows. True fitness competition shows. You get up on stage, and people medal, and you get gold, silver, and bronze, and all that kind of stuff. You did what? Three shows? Four shows? Three. Three yep. shows. Your first one was different from your latter two, and I'll let you talk to that. But from an outsider looking in, I always saw bodybuilding shows as just a bunch of freaking meatheads who who <laughs> are dumb as bricks and are just built out. But my goodness, I could not have been more wrong. And I and I'm not saying this just so I don't get beat up by these people <laughs> because they could easily do it. They're monsters. But 
the level of intensity and the level of intelligence it takes to get to that. Because even if you have somebody telling you, this is what you eat at this time, et cetera, et cetera, there's still a level of intelligence and commitment. I have never seen a group of more committed people. Even if you look at like a baseball team, you got nine players on the field at one time. Everybody's doing their own job, but somebody might be having an off day. Every single person there was on their A game. I mean, they're at a competition competing oh, by yeah. themselves, even in golf tournaments when you have that same thing. It's going to be different, and not everybody's going to care. Oh, I'm, I'm going to do a little bit worse this week. I'm just not going to give it my all because I've got another game next week. Whereas this one, you there's so up. much buildup to it that you basically pick your shows. And I'll let you speak to that a little bit. But, yeah, those people were awesome. It was a lot of fun to be here. It smelled freaking horrible in oh, there. I yeah, will that say that. the tanner is just... The tanner and the body odor was awful. But outside yeah. of that, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, really the first show was a science experiment. I was like, oh, I've done a lot of research. I've got all these certifications. I could do this. I was so freaking wrong. <laughs> it was so hard. And I really didn't know enough at the time because I think it was like right after I got my first and learned about nutrition and things like that. And my goodness, that was hard. And not only hard from the science and knowing what to do, but the sticking with it. My God, if I could give any piece of it, never coach yourself for one of those things. Mm. Um, okay. Well, for all of the budding bodybuilders out there, you heard it right here first. Yeah, don't coach know. yourself through one of those things. Yeah, we like really hit our demographic today, I must being say. Being your own lawyer. <laughs> don't do it. Um, <laughs> my second two shows, I hired a coach and I actually hired the same coach and she was great. And, um, you know, the approach that, that I took and the looking for, I mean, there's a whole podcast on, if you want to get into bodybuilding, I can link some in the show notes, but, um, you know, the first show I did, I did the bikini cause there's different classes. And so I did the bikini one because that's like what all the girls do. And for the, the other classes, one's figure and then you have physique and actual like bodybuilding, you know, I was like, I don't have enough muscle to do that. So it was 2014, 2015, 14 or 15. I did my first show and then I took some time off. I didn't, wasn't sure it was for me. And then of course my father is just the inspiration for everything he found out he had prostate cancer and was going through treatment and he couldn't have a lot of foods and a lot of different things. And so I decided to do another show because, and very quickly, I mean, I only, I trained for like three months <laughs> when you usually need like five or six because I wanted somebody, he had somebody to sympathize with, couldn't eat, you know, crappy food, high fat things that couldn't have coffee that, you know, couldn't do all of these things and had to be very regimented. And so I, kind of did it along with him and I did two figure shows which were the most fun I think I really ever had up on stage you was, looked a lot more comfortable oh yeah the posing and all that stuff way less of a girly kind of thing and sass and just more being proud of what you've done and I you know they were smaller groups so I did come away with medals which I have and you you okay you you <laughs> they were smaller groups in the sense of they were in a major metro area, but it was not a national show, like yeah, a, like a Vegas show, in the sense yeah. that it's a smaller group that way. But you still, yeah. yes, you absolutely meddled. You came home. There's stuff hanging on the wall. I love it. Yep. I love to see it. Don't sell yourself short. I know. But it was still, it was so much fun. Um, those producers were really good. So, yeah, that 
I got into that. And then that last show was 2017. And shortly thereafter, I think we started talking about having a family. So I stepped back and I started focusing on just basic good old bodybuilding style strength training, a little bit of powerlifting, kind of trying to get my strength up and get my body back to where it should be. I love how you say, oh, you know, I got back to the basics, you know, like powerlifting. (laughs) (laughs) For me, that that was. Um, It's different for everybody. It is. But, you know, prepping your body for becoming pregnant is like a whole other ballgame, especially coming off a bodybuilding show where your hormones are just totally out of whack and you haven't been eating enough. And so I worked with a different coach actually after that I knew specialized in what's called reverse dieting. And what that is, is if you haven't been eating enough or you've been on really low calories or you know that, you know, your something's just not right with your body, you can slowly add in food and training intensity to let your body adapt to being on a higher calorie intake and it's a much more strategic way so that you just don't gain a bunch of fat after being on a diet and this is the mistake I think you know again whole tangent here a lot of people don't understand you've been dieting for so long your body's going through all these chemical changes you know you've got to be smart about it and I'm very thankful I did because you know otherwise it could have affected our family yeah, so that was kind of the start of, you know, another whole other journey, which was having an active pregnancy. Um, oh, gosh, yeah. Well, active pregnancy. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, I want to start, actually, if I may, as, as, I, as we move through this, I want to ask you more about nutrition. Yeah. I've heard the term eating clean. You know, you see these on these commercials or these YouTube. So I I don't really watch a whole lot of television. I watch more YouTube. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I swear you're influencing our our key targeted uh, ads and stuff. Because I see this stuff for for eating clean and all these whatever. Um, What the heck is eating clean? And is it it helpful? (laughs) Um, Yes. Sorry. I... You know, I get so fired up even reading like the wrong Facebook post in the mom group about this stuff. But what eating clean means when you see it in that context is you're eating foods that are pretty much just whole foods. So fruits, vegetables, lean proteins, um, you're just pretty much eating those things. Um, So lean proteins. (laughs) What would be an example of a non-lean protein? Uh, like a fatty steak or a higher fat, you know, ground ground beef, like an 80-20 or okay. um, lots of cheeses and oh, okay. fried yeah, see, things. I was thinking only meats. Okay, yeah. So lean meats like chicken, fish, turkey, pork. Okay. Really lean steaks, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> so is eating clean helpful? And if so, why or how? Um... It, of course it can be. The The issue that I have with it is when you start to say to people, you can only eat these foods and you deny them of other things like ice cream and cookies, and cakes, or heck, even chips or whatever your, you know, your vibe is. When you start to cut those out for too long, mentally... I mean, physically eating clean is obviously great. You know, you want all of those things and your vitamins and nutrients as much in your body, but mentally you start to cut things out and that's when you hit a point where 
you just get tired of the bland old foods and you want something that's going to taste good and you just go too far. You so can't would you say pa- paleo is kind of falls into that? Um, yeah. I, again, any, you know me, I am not a fan <laughs> of any particular, if it has a name on it, it's not great in my opinion. Um, I've always been a fan, I guess, of what you call flexible dieting, which is where, you know, and this is what helped me kind of transform my eating and do a total 180 was learning that not all foods are bad. Not all foods are the best, everything in moderation and macros. If you don't know what those are macronutrients, there really are three, four technically, but three that you focus on counting. Um, your carbohydrates, your proteins, and your fats. And what's the bonus? Because we all love bonus. Fiber. So one everybody forgets about fiber. Um, Side note, when you see net carbs on something, all they have done is subtract the fiber from the carb number because you technically just poop that stuff out. It's bullshit. Count your carbs, people. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Hot take. (laughs) Any side, any degreed person will tell you that you should if you're going to be tracking that stuff then track it all um that's where keto Screw and i you, FDA. don't get along um <laughs> i'm gonna have so many haters and comments on this podcast thread with that one um but anyways going back to macros you know you've got protein carbs and fats and you get an allotment every day it's like getting a gift card and each day it resets and you just kind of track each of those so if you're having a burger because I eat those very often, as you know. That's your favorite food in the whole wide world. I could eat that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That'd be weird. Oh, but I could do it. There's breakfast burgers. There's <laughs> there's breakfast Just burgers. Plan this all out. All yeah. right, continue. Anyways, um, you know, you've got the carbs in your bun. You've got the protein and some fat in the burger. Um, you've got condiments. You've got the fries on the side. All of that can be kind of packaged up into uh, a an acceptable a, meal? Yeah, an acceptable meal. And then you know, okay, well, I had that, so I get, I have this left. You know, I've got, you know, X grams of this, X grams of that left. And, you know, all of that adds up to my daily needs. And by being able to do that and see that if I wanted to have a little bit of ice cream and, like, measure it out, that I could. And that it wasn't going to throw off my progress just because I had some. Now, if I ate the whole pint of Ben and Jerry's, that's a mm. whole different story. Um, but just by having some of your favorite foods and incorporating them among these quote unquote clean foods and having a balance of that is totally okay. Okay. So here's a question. Again, having worked in the grocery industry, we sold and merchandised and whatever a lot of Weight Watchers products. And when you talk about an allotment, my understanding of the Weight Watchers program is you get a point system. You get so many points per Mm -hmm. day. Are they simplifying the macronutrient side of things for their clients such that they basically say, they assign each meal a point value and you need to stay within that point value? Sort of. I don't know how it works specifically, like how many, like what categorizes a point. So I won't speak to that, but the idea is very similar. Yes, you get a bank of points and you get to use those up how you see fit during the day. This is not an ad for Weight Watchers. Just that was just a question nope, I had. Nope, well, thank you. Definitely not. Okay, so so <laughs> I know you plan your meals out in advance. Sometimes a week in advance, mm-hmm. sometimes longer. Um, how do you do that? <laughs> how can someone do that? Is it benef- and how is it beneficial to your overall goals? 
So yeah, meal prep and planning, probably outside of the actual weightlifting, one of my favorite parts of, I guess, what you'd call personal wellness. Because if you don't do some form of planning, I don't personally think you could be successful in this. And to do the meal prep and planning does seem like a lot, especially when you're a busy working parent, you know, for example, like we are. Um, I've noticed there are weeks, you know, when I do the meal planning, we come home, we know what we're doing. We just cook the food and eat it. But those times where we don't, we're like, man, what do we want? We should probably order something. Something's frozen. It's not defrosted. Like there's just chaos and stress. And so to do it best, like the way I do it is I like to sit down on a Sunday morning. It's quiet. I've got my cup yeah, of coffee. Yeah, you're a morning person. I'm I am. Not. And if I can beat the baby up, um, I will sit there in quiet and just take tally. You know, I've got, I'll link some actual like blogs that I've got with like the step-by-step process of how I do this and some templates. But you know, the easiest way to do it is start with what you've got at home. You know, you guaranteed people have stuff in their fridge, freezer, pantry that you can start with and make some darn good meals out of. Um, so I always start with the proteins. I get seven proteins together. I get, and it could be the same. It could be. So you get seven days worth. Seven days worth. Sorry. Yeah. So seven, seven different proteins, seven ideas together. And, you know, you start to think, okay, well, what do I have that's going to go bad? And, you know, like usually we have salads when we've got lettuce that's, you know, going to go or fresh produce, um, or things in the pantry that's just been there a while. So, Hey, let's cook that up. And you just make a list and write it out. I like doing theme nights. Usually we do like a Mexican flavored taco Tuesday and Friday, Saturday is usually some form of like pizza variant, like English muffin pizzas or um, little mini apps or things like that, or just something easy like chili, Chinese food and all stuff made at home. So it's a little bit healthier and cheaper, but still Home- gives you pork fried rice is actually really good. That's yeah, that's an and, easy and not one. that difficult. No, as long as, um, you know, you can cook some stuff ahead of time uh, and have it ready and just in the fridge. And then that way you're just dicing it up, throwing it together. Or Heck, even if you picked up a rotisserie chicken from the store, you know, my chicken salad this week, for example, was just a shredded up rotisserie chicken. I didn't even cook it. I just shredded it, threw some mayonnaise, grapes, walnuts in there, and there's your meal. There's (laughs) your meal. So I have seen advertisements for companies that will deliver meals to you like this, like they deliver them to your home, but they seem really expensive. How difficult is it to do something like that yourself, and would it really save you money? So I will say you challenged me to this not too long ago because (laughs) I knew I was going to have a busy couple of weeks, and there was a promo for one of these companies that I've used before that's good. But I was going to be— you are a sucker for a coupon. I am. It's in my DNA. Um— there was a coupon and <laughs> I was going to spend almost $200 on 20 meals. So that's $10 a meal when you break it down like that. And yes, they would have, you know, they were just going to stay in the freezer and then I would just heat them up. But, you know, you said, well, couldn't you just do that for a lot cheaper? And I was like, you know, I probably could. Challenge accepted. <laughs> so I bought some containers off Amazon, uh, figured out kind of the best way to do it. Because when you're going to freeze meals, you got to be pretty careful it's not just throwing it in the fridge and then pulling it out you know there's the freeze 
or frostbite or whatever it's called. Yeah, frost, freezer burn. Freezer burn. The there word. it is. Frostbite. Yeah, oh, frostbite. You convinced me it was frostbite. I did. I'm very convincing. Um, that, that's only in the Andes. That the frostbite yeah. only affects your food in the Andes. Uh, freezer burn that you got to worry about, especially if they're going to be in there, you know, for a couple of weeks. So I was able to prep. I think this last round I did about three weeks worth of meals in like an hour. Um, and you just so an hour's worth of cook time. time. Now. How much time did Cooking you spend time. prepping that? Oh, that was all included, pretty much. No, 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 not not meal prep. Sorry, planning. Oh, planning. Oof. It's hard to judge because I've been doing this now for oh, feels old. Over ten years, I've been prepping and planning my own meals. But you know, when I first started, I remember it. It took a lot. I was on Pinterest and searching. You know, what are ideas for this, and how else can I make chicken not just be chicken? And um. You know, I think now I've got it down to probably about 10, 15 minutes with just some of the processes of things that I've come down with. The efficiencies if you, that you've yeah, come Yeah, you do anything long yeah, enough okay. and you become efficient at it. So if you're just starting out, you know, don't don't worry. It might take you a half hour because you might want to check what's on sale at the grocery store this week and see, you know, what can I get for cheap? What can I buy in bulk? Um, but when it comes down to the cooking process, you know, you'll find efficiency there's too, efficiencies there too and... Don't be afraid to use a crock pot or, oh, you know, God, yeah, we love ours. you can run your crock pot, your stovetop, your oven and your microwave all at the same time. And it's you're not doing it. it's all hands off. It's all doing its thing. And, you know, you don't even have to measure it out and put it away right away. You could just cook all of this stuff in bulk and then have it for the week and mix and match as you go. You know, there's there's a lot of ways to do it. Um, so. so one thing that that I I liked doing because there was a period of time there where you kind of got worn out on meal prep and meal planning and all that kind of stuff. And something that helped me was the um, cookbooks mm-hmm. my that my sister got us. I've got a cookbook that I got when I got my first apartment, and it was basically like <laughs> a, a, a dummy's guide to, <laughs> to cooking. And it was actually really, really good because it takes it and it breaks it down. And it literally breaks down everything that you need when you add it. And roughly how long it will take for uh, prep, for cook, and then for cool or whatever mm-hmm. after the fact. So what I would do is I would go through and say, okay, we've got chicken. What in here? That What can I make with chicken? And I would just look for chicken recipes. Oh, okay, here's one. Does that look good? Yes or no? And I made some pretty decent. Oh, yeah. What was that? Yeah, great. It was cook. a pad thai. It was pad thai. That's that was good. Made. Yeah. I got to make that again. Yeah. I say that every time I say that, but <laughs> anyway. No, it was good. And it's funny. You and I are so different because... I watched my family cook growing up and no, I, I don't think I've really ever followed a recipe for cooking, which is why you don't, don't bake. No, I don't do let me bake baking in this house. Yeah, no, don't. Because I follow the recipes. I can't do recipes. I just have now, to go okay. by. So the one thing feel. I don't, <laughs> the one thing I don't follow the recipe on is pizza because I love making my own dough <laughs> and I love doing that process is a lot of fun and I don't follow any kind of recipes for that. So that, that's my one. But otherwise, yes, I, I listen to the directions. Which is why you're not allowed to bake. But my meals come out good. They do. The f- <laughs> yes, but not the cookies. No. Anyway, uh, it seems like every few months, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, but every few months there's a new popular exercise type or diet that people latch onto, a fad, if you will. Yeah. Could you speak to some of the more recent popular ones and if they are based in science and if they're helpful or harmful? So what are, what are some recent ones? Are they based in science or not? And if so, is it, is it pseudoscience or is it real science? And then yeah. are they actually helpful? 
Yeah, so probably the most notable ones that I think folks listening to will know, uh, the top two that I always get asked about when people come to me and they want a diet plan and they're like, can I do keto? And I'm like, I mean, of course you can. But what that is, is essentially a very high fat, low carb, low protein diet. And I think that's a lot of the misconceptions. People think that you just eat a bunch of like bacon and fatty meats and stuff like that. And of course you do, but really the goal with keto, and there is science to it, um, is that you start to transition off of using carbohydrates for energy, which is what all of our bodies are made to run off of. And you start utilizing fat for energy. And it's not the fat that's like stored in your body and your fat cells that people are trying to lose. It act, what happens is, and I'll get super nerdy for a second. And I am not, I'll preface this where I am not the expert on this, but this is just high level how it works is you start eating fat, you burn off your carbohydrates. What your liver does is actually start to produce ketones and that's where it gets its name ketosis. Um, and so those ketones are very, very efficient. So when they release energy, they release a lot of it more so than carbs would, um, And so your body just starts to run off of that. The reason you can't eat a ton of protein and you do, I believe, have to track your macros when you're on keto is because if you go too high on carbs or protein, you're not getting the benefit. Like your body is always going to prioritize burning off the carbohydrates. So if you have too much of that, it's not burning off your ketones. So what you're saying is that your body, when you when you take in food, carbs go first and Mm -hmm. then protein second. And then fats last because they're harder to process? Uh, sort of. So you're where those things get burned in your body. Um, carbs and protein are kind of up the chain. Your liver is what breaks down your fats. Um, but if you don't have enough carbs, protein can kind of act like a carbohydrate in your body. It's hard to explain, but it can act. Um, it can trigger the glucose and other things in your body. It, it It's broken down in a. Well, it's not broken down in the same way. It's it can act very similar when the when there is a lack of carbs. Okay, so the, basically the body says, "Hey, we don't have the thing that we need." We think we see do. this other thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, can can you dress in drag real quick and come over and do this job? Yeah, and the misconception with keto is that people just lose a ton of weight on it, and of course they do because what your body first does and why you see so much progress and why it's so popular is because you're burning off all of the glycogen or carbs that are stored in your muscles, that are stored everywhere. So those are burning off first. So you see that and you feel that. Um, But at the end of the day, calories in, calories out. No matter what type of diet you follow, you have to be burning off more energy than you're taking in to lose weight. So that's keto. It is based in science, and it may work for some folks. Yep. But there are are considerations to be made. Is there another of intermittent fasting is probably the big one i know a lot of people do it um so explain what that is so intermittent fasting is when you select a window during the day and it's usually a pretty short window of when you eat food or can really consume any calories that's the thing that people don't get usually is even like your coffee or your protein shake like any form of calories you're putting in your body are in this window. You know, a lot of people do, whether it's like 11 a.m. or noon to 6 or 7 p.m. So it's usually like a six to eight hour window where you're you're allowing yourself to intake calories and the rest of it 
you're not. You're fasting. Um, there are definitely some scientific benefits to it. A lot of people feel that, you know, their brain is clear. You have a lot more clarity because you're not just like constantly putting food in your face um, or worried about getting meals in. For a lot of people with different schedules, that works really well. Um, busy people, you know, you've got kids and you get up in the morning and, you know, you forget to eat. And the next thing you know, it's noon. And then sometimes you're like, well, what if I just do that every day? And I forget all of them, but there are, there are benefits to it. But again, it's it, the practice of only eating within eight hours, technically you're going to eat the same amount of food you eat in eight hours that you were going to in a 12 hour span. So calories in calories out is that's the fasting is not what's helping you lose weight. It's that you're probably controlling more of the window in which you're eating. So you're not eating at eight o'clock at night or nine o'clock at night shoving snacks in your face like because you know oh I'm done um to me that's the bigger benefit and the benefit of you know I know this is what I can do in this period so that's what I'm going to do and you you stick to it um I okay. think yeah yeah so okay so so what you're saying is basically by limiting the window if you eat you feel full you you don't eat anymore and if that window closes at 6 p.m. or whatever, and then you start to feel hungry, what you've just basically done is mentally limited the number of calories that you're consuming. Yeah, you're not going over what you probably... So it's not the fasting. Should. It's literally limiting the time at which you eat, which may limit the amount of calories you intake. Yeah, I would okay. say for the general population, that's the biggest benefit and why it works for people is because, you know, you talk about motivation and how do you do this and people just need something to stick to or a reason or a protocol that they believe in and trust that will get them there and intermittent fasting is a really popular one because of that in my humble opinion um again there are lots of science things i am not the person to speak to that but okay. there are um it's not a total load of crap so were there any others or were those the two those are the two that come to mind i feel like most people would have heard of um there's definitely workout trends. That, what are some of those? Oh my gosh. My favorite one is the booty bands. You put a band around your legs and it's magically going to grow you a booty. And that is actually the op. It actually hinders the muscle patterns and development that you should be using to do squats and deadlifts and things like that. Um, my other favorite is the, I forget what you call them. I think it's on like some dude perfect stereotype video, but the person that combines all the moves. So it's like, I'm going to squat and I'm going to curl and I'm going to press. And I'm going to do all these things. And those are just so pointless. They're fun. They may be fun and get you into the habit and get you consistent. But from a just true science perspective, it's not doing anything. All for the you. CrossFit people just, just tuned out. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no, that's <laughs> different than clean and dirt. Those are different. That's a full move. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, um, I know that you enjoy street parking. Um, there's, a, there's an organization called Street Parking. I know you enjoy their programs uh, and their workouts. Could you speak more about what that organization is? What is street parking and why someone may want to consider them over what I would consider traditional exercising? I guess the yeah. first thing is what I'll define traditional exercising. Traditional exercising would be I go to the gym. I go to Planet Fitness. I walk in the door. I scan my thing. I go to the back, I find the, the weight rack, the squat rack, I do three sets of 10, 
and then I go over to the bench press machine and I do uh, four sets of 12 uh, on that and I'm not really maxing <laughs> anything and then I do the treadmill for one mile however long that takes and then I'll finish up with an ab machine and then I'm out the door and drinking my protein shake out the door. So that's what I would consider traditional exercising. What is street parking and how might someone see that or or benefit from it versus traditional exercising? Yeah, so street parking is really for the at-home fitness community that I can now say. Oh, so basically the entirety of the world at this point. Yeah, especially last year, man. It was, they were cool before 2020. Ah. Um, And... What they believe in is that they believe fitness is for everybody and can be done in so many different ways in a very little amount of time. Um, Most of their workouts are what I would consider CrossFit style. You know, the founders, Miranda and Julian, they were big CrossFit people back in the day. They've been to the games, incredible athletes. And I started following Miranda because of that. Yeah. And just watching her perform, she's an incredible athlete, but also with a very in my opinion, like needed perspective on the fitness industry and how these trends and these fads are just, they're, they're short lived. I mean, they're bullshit. Um, they're not, none of those things are going to get you what you want. What you need is consistency and you can get consistent by doing something for a very short period of time every day. And of course, most people probably think, Oh, well that's what beach body does. Not really. You know, these, these people eat and breathe, trying to help people and help people at home and build the community of just really strong, confident people. And, you know, they're all very CrossFit style workouts. So a lot of the movements are fast, they're intense, but you're only doing them for 10 or 15 minutes, you know, sometimes longer if they really are in a mood and just not like you that week. <laughs> so, so they're intense and they're short lived. So basically you're, your heart beats out of your chest for 15 minutes, but then you're done. So it, yeah. it helps somebody with a busier schedule. Yeah, absolutely. And they offer so many different options. There's, you know, an ABC version of the workout, depending on what equipment you have, um, which makes them very unique, in my opinion, from any other at home program. It's, you know, there's a dumbbell version, a barbell version, a what they call like glory days. So it's, you know, more intense movements like a muscle up or now they've incorporated the sandbag and a rower or a bike versus running. Um, And then they have what they call the shift version, which is for people that may just be starting out and trying to learn different movement patterns or are injured or just not looking for as intense of a workout that day. And they take the same workout and just provide so many different lenses of it that you can choose your own path and you choose what works for you, but you get it done. So you've got different levels. You've got your A, B, and C, and then you said shift was yeah. another one. And I would say A, B, and C are probably at the same level of intensity, just different equipment. So like, for example, there was a workout where you could do your power cleans with a barbell or you could do them with dumbbells um, or you could use a sandbag. And so it just gives you different options. Sometimes there's different reps and, it's pretty flexible, but at the end of the day, you know that if I do this, these workouts and they're different every day. So that's the other part is outside of some of the kind of series that they have, it's a different workout every day. So if you like not having to think about it, you like being told what to do, but it's different all of the time. 
then, you know, that's what I like. And um, when you talk about traditional exercising, the most beneficial way to traditionally exercise is to do the same movements over and over again for months on end and just increase either how much weight you're lifting or how many reps you're doing. And that's the traditional way to gain strength. Um, you know, if you look at a bodybuilder or a power building kind of style workout, you're going to see they do the same thing over and over and over again. I've, I like those workouts. They work really well for my clients. And I know after like three weeks, I always get that question. Well, when are we going to do something different? Well, if this is what you want, just, just learn the movement because most people just starting out too haven't really mastered a squat. Um, you know, so doing that over and over is only going to be more beneficial to your body and building that muscle. But a lot of people just don't like to do that. So that's <laughs> traditional and street parking varies from that. They differ from that a little bit. Yeah. So today would be, let's see, today's workout was, you know, a ladder where, you know, you do one rep of a power clean and a box step up and then you do two reps, three reps. And in 10 minutes, you see how far you can get. You saw me this morning. I was absolutely Gassed. on the floor dying. Literally and I worked out for 10 minutes, um, not including the warm up. But, you know, in another program or what I would probably have done five years ago, I would have been doing a couple of sets of squats and then some uh, split squats, step ups, and probably would have been doing that same workout on a Monday for the last four or five weeks. Um, and it would have taken me probably... 30 to 45 minutes. And so you were able to do this obviously in a shorter period of time. So street parking is, it sounds like they are primarily focused for somebody at home with less equipment potentially Mm -hmm. and with less time to invest. But my question to you would be, and I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit on this. Let's take the equipment stuff out of this, right? Because everybody's income level is different. Mm Mm-hmm. Does do you actually get the same benefit out of a shorter workout than you would, let's say, an hour long workout? Can you get the same benefit out of a 15 minute workout as you would out of an hour workout? Benefits as far as results. Results. Let's, let's use benefits as you know, or results as as the benefits term here. I would say yes, um, because one, doing that short of a workout, not kind of workout as long as you are putting in the intensity in those 10 to 20 minutes you will get the same results if you're still just half-assing it which most people that work out for an hour at a gym just go stand in a gym and look how many people are talking on their phones all that stuff so you're saying the actual physical time your muscles are engaged under under load under Under stress stress is the same the difference is you're not taking big breaks between sets you're not walking between Mm -hmm. machinery you're not Bumping into somebody you haven't seen in a few weeks and catching up, that yep. kind of thing. Okay, exactly. And even if you were doing that at home, you're still going to be taking breaks, and and it, and it all depends on your goals. You know, not everybody's going to want to be lifting for an hour to gain a bunch of muscle and be strong. But if that's what you're looking to do, or you're looking to be able to bench two twenty five, you know, these type of workouts may not be what you need. Um, but for me. You know, my goals are to increase strength and endurance, which are typically if you were to follow a traditional exercising, you wouldn't be doing the same types of workout for both. But these workouts allow you to increase endurance, 
Um, they've also got a ton of accessory programs. So not only do they have these, you know, 15 minute, 20 minute workouts, they've also got a whole list of lower body, upper body, um, running programs. And so like for me, I'm starting to add in their endurance program and running once a week because I want to work on that. Um, and all four, they're only like 19 bucks a month. So, Oh you know. yeah. You know what? That you bring up a great point. The cost thing, um, lifetime was the gym you were at, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Lifetime. And I know there's different levels of lifetime gyms. Oh, what, yeah. what level were you at? Uh, we were, it was a pretty small one and it was still $45 a month. So 45 a month. And it was what a bronze level. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Lowest level tier. Okay, lo- lowest you know. tier 45 a month. What does street parking cost? $19 a month. And for unless you're military or, or like okay. teacher. Oh, okay. So they actually discount. So pub, uh, public educators or educators, teachers. I believe so. Yeah. And, and, for sure, military. First responders? Um, they must and first, first responders. responders. Okay, yep. good. Well, that's great. Yeah. I'm all for a company that stands behind those people. I they really are like 110% behind it. You know, the, the competition, of course, true, true, bleh, true street parking style. I did an at-home CrossFit competition because really, one, with COVID, they still really aren't doing a lot. Um, and two, usually to do those competitions, you need a, a partner or a group. And it's just me at home. So, mm. you know, they... Um, they worked with a company to help get dogs out of shelters to be trained so that veterans that get home have a special uh, like a service dog. A service dog. Thank you. A special service dog. So they, they pay to get dogs out of shelters, train them to be service dogs, and provide them the veterans when they get home. What better of a cause like right yeah you're you're, I, you're saving the, the animals and, and the people. providing them a, a purpose in life and yeah. Obviously, helping the economy with going through the training and stuff like that, and then obviously helping our our armed forces or people who have served for this country to come back, and maybe they need some assistance, they need yeah. some help, and the service dog could be. So you're saving a dog that. and a person. I mean, what better competition yeah. to throw you know some money to to join and and compete and see what you've got? Like you know, what has all this working out done for me and whatnot? So well, so. Y- Okay, so so we talk about cost. It's obviously a little bit of a cost savings there. Um, we were fortunate enough to have built out our garage as a home gym long before it was the only gym, the only way to go to the gym. Yeah. But And I say we, it's the royal we. And what I mean by that is you. Um, I basically just ran the power tools until I taught you how to use the power tools, and then I never <laughs> got to do any of that stuff. Uh, but what could someone do if they didn't have thousands of dollars, and I would argue even maybe $10,000 at this point, today's pricing, yeah. uh, to to do that, or they don't have the space to do that. Maybe they're in an apartment, yeah. you know, 600 square foot apartment. What, what what can somebody do? Honestly, all you really need is, depending on the type of exercise you want to do, I mean, the benefit of street parking is you literally need one pair of dumbbells and you could do the workout every single day and get strong, get fit, lose weight, get results. Um, but if you were to go to the traditional route, I'd always recommend probably two pairs, a lighter pair and a little bit heavier pair so that you could get the full range of exercises in. So two two sets of dumbbells is what you're saying. So maybe yep. what? You can eights and 15s or fives d- and 10s? It all de- yeah, it all depends. Um, you know, I would say, yeah, eights and 15s, 10s and 20s, um, just depending male, female, your current starting level, all that stuff. So you don't have to spend a lot of money, although what you're saying right now is in the the time of recording this, summer 2021, 
what is a good price for a dumbbell? It used to be like a dollar a pound was like a great price. Now you're probably, I mean, even if you're two dollars. So, so between one and two dollars a pound. So an eight eight pound set of dumbbells is sixteen pounds. So you're looking at probably thirty bucks. Okay, so thirty bucks is is something that is not horrible. And yeah. what would you go up to for something like that? I mean, it's hard. Thirty to fifty. I did buy a set of dumbbells actually specifically to do the street parking workouts. You did, I remember. Because I do have the adjustable kind, but those you can't really move around as easily in like quick movements. Um, and I bought those. They were, it was a 25 pound dumbbell and it cost about $35 to okay. buy each. So 70 bucks for the set. Okay. That's not terrible. No. Because okay. the, now the adjustable ones are like insane. Mm. They used to be like two two hundred dollars two fifty. Yeah. It which was like, it was 70 bucks for the for, wo- for one. Yeah. So it was 140 bucks total. And I now remember. they're like now they're three to $500. Goodness gracious. Crazy. Interesting. So when I watch people who are big into fitness and nutrition, and when I say when I watch them, what I mean is when I watch the documentaries that you make me watch or if I watch a, a, an Instagram thing that shows up on my feed because of something that you've influenced me on, um, when I watch these people that are into fitness and nutrition, it always looks like it's a ton of work and a lot of sacrifice. Did you find it to be difficult, time-consuming, and frustrating or disheartening going through that? When you were competing, let's go back to when you did your oh shows. Gosh. Yeah. Talk about frustrating. It's so hard to go into an office, for example, and, you know, you bring in your lunch, everyone's going out to eat, or there's a catered lunch at the office. And I know a lot of people go through this, or somebody brings in donuts and you want to say no, but you don't want to be questioned as to why. I mean, that's the biggest, I think thing for somebody starting out is that you're going to get a ton of comments and you're going to get people not minding their own business or that are judging you for doing the right thing or just doing you judging you for doing something that you want to do and that's the hard part it's not that you can't do it or you didn't prepare but it's always gonna be somebody's gonna run their mouth about it and I faced a lot of that I ended up turning my whole floor around and I was the girl carrying the gallon of water and heating up for food that everyone came to my competition they and did they did all come they we did took a all big come. group picture that's right yep. I changed hey shout everybody. out to everybody who was at her competition yeah um that was that was pretty awesome but it was hard of course it was hard and it sucked um but as long as you are comfortable with what you're doing why you're doing it and you're doing it for yourself or you know maybe for somebody else, but that really means a lot to you, then you'll get through it. You just have to kind of suck it up for a little bit and be strong and tell people to mind their own business or, you know. So going back to kind of what I said before, right, I've never seen a a group of people that were so committed at the shows, right? These people were at the top of their game. It's what they were there to do. They were among friends, Mm -hmm. but in their personal lives, very likely they're not always among friends. So here's what I'll do. I'm going to back up a second. I'm going to totally do the, the me thing, the the thing that (laughs) most hosts do. And I'm going to try to relate this back to something outside of the topic that we're on. So we're on personal wellness. I am big into amateur radio, big into ham radio. My motorcycle has uh, an antenna on it that I just installed. The car's got the antenna. I've got multiple antennas at the house. Amateur radio, ham radio is me. And there's a lot of people who, when they see stuff like that, and I tell them, they have this preconceived notion or they, they 
don't understand it or they want to try to sound funny and they make a quip or they try to belittle or it's like, well, why don't you just use your cell phone? It's like, well, yeah, okay, dummy. Yeah, yeah of course you can use your cell phone if you're going text or point A to point B. Yeah. But it's different. And I, I would, when you said that, all I was doing is I was replaying all those people in my mind who anytime, I, anything I have, any hobby, any interest. Oh, yeah, it's going to happen. It, you're going to have people who are either jealous. That's just their personality. They have to be the person on top. They have to be the cool person. Or they're they, insecure themselves they're about insecure, their body. Right. It's usually where it comes oh, from that's a, a lot. That's a great point. And, you know, it was easier because I said, oh, yeah, I'm doing this competition thing. Like, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. But for a lot of people, it's just... I just want to be healthier. I just want to feel better. And that's hard. Um, take for instance, when this past year with all my hormone issues that I was going through, I had to stop drinking. And that was, you know, that's another thing, you know, cutting back alcohol, people are going to be like, well, why aren't you having one or why are you only having one? Yeah. Um, and it's hard, but you know what? I knew if I did that, I wasn't going to get any better and it was just going to make my problems worse. And I felt shitty enough to where I was okay with that, you know, and did it for three whole months, you know, went up until Christmas and then got to enjoy and now just do it kind of in moderation because I know if I do that too much, it messes me up and I don't feel good. Makes my So stay the course. And, 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 that, and that goes for anything <laughs> in life, but especially personal wellness. Yeah. It is personal wellness it's your personal wellness it's not somebody else's influence or what they think about how healthy you are it is your personal wellness it's very you and don't let somebody outside of who you care about or even if it is let's say your own individual like i'm sure i'm frustrated you i was just gonna say the toughest pushback at least i know with my clients they have is in their own home Mm. their own spouse their the kids well, I don't think my kids are going to eat that or my husband doesn't like that kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, then you can either cook two meals or you can try and find some balance. I mean, you know, with your kids, you know, they're not going to be into some of the flavors or things or want something that's chicken nuggets and mac and cheese, which our child may have chicken, may not have had for chicken lunch. Chicken nuggets and mac and cheese. Um, good stuff. But I see. I, th- I think that's what we all secretly want. Oh yeah. You can't tell me if they don't make a pro- if they made a protein shake that was chicken nuggets and mac and cheese. I know you would buy it, and it would be in this house. You know, somebody I forget what company it was for April Fools did like a chicken and waffles flavor, and I was like, that would actually probably be really good. <laughs> and it was. And what's your favorite flavor? Blueberry donut. I thought it was Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, that is the, yeah, those two. They're kind of tied. So there's birthday cake in there. We have the Cinnamon Toast Crunch flavor in there. Blueberry donut. And apparently blueberry, I didn't even know we had blueberry donut. pumpkin spice. Oh, God. I had pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice. That's for coffee, though. It's out of season. Never had a season of beer. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say something I probably shouldn't say on a podcast. you're a basic white bitch, it's never out of season. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I see. Well, I think there's a rule, though. You have to have Uggs on when you drink it. Anyway, yeah. we, we, we've gone way off topic here. Yeah, but so so the, the pushback that your clients have faced, and I'm sure that you have faced, mm-hmm. is within <laughs> your own home. Thank so you for that. As a matter of fact. Yes, is within your own home. But but the way to get around that is, like you say, either try to find a, find a balance or just cook two meals and stay the course. Yeah. If, if what you want is to be better, it sounds like what you're saying is stay the course and do what needs to be done to better yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I would say and talk to your family about it. Um, you know, I I actually did talk to our 
three and a half year old about how vegetables are really good for you. They make you big and strong. You know, he's really into superheroes. And so relating it to something that might make sense to your kid will only help. And to my surprise today, he asked for green beans with his lunch. And I was such a proud mama moment. Um, he asked for vegetables? He did. With his chicken nuggets. But he oh, asked God. for the vegetables. <laughs> hey, small steps. I did buy the... I totally fell for the marketing of those chicken nuggets that have like veggies in the... Oh, veggies in yeah. Them. But Was that Purdue or Tyson? Oh, those were Tyson. Purdue. These oh, ones Purdue. I got, oh, okay. I think, were Purdue. But, but yeah, um, totally fell for that marketing. <laughs> well, I was going to say the people who market the keto diet... To they must be geniuses. Oh, yeah. And to be fair, those were the only dinosaur-shaped ones they had, and he likes the dinosaurs. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, hey, parents, how you doing? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Mom alert. <laughs> yep. So, okay, so in the way you stayed disciplined, of course, was the multiple meals, the, the flexible, would you call it flexible dieting? Flexible dieting. Flexible dieting, okay. Except when it came to show stuff, and then it was... It was a lot more regimented, I would say, for showed stuff. Yeah, you could be more flexible up until you probably got closer because with that, you know, they're judging you on your, your physique and your presentation. And if there's something that might make you a little bloated or hold on to extra water or just didn't sit well, you probably didn't want to eat it close to your show. Was it, is it physique where they dance? Yes. Shout uh, out to no, f- fitness. Fitness. It's fitness. Shout out to all the women. Who do yeah. the fitness classification because they are very, very fit and they dance on stage. They've got a whole routine, oh, almost like a gymnast, gymnast, and it's like a floor yep. routine, and it is amazing to watch them. And they so pose cool. through it. Crazy. Anyway, yeah. again, um, not too long ago, you and I, we became parents. And I know for me, it was a complete game changer, just absolute game changer for me but I can't imagine what it was like for you especially as it relates to let's take the biological aspect out of it let's take (laughs) the whole pregnancy thing out unless you want to add it in but I can't imagine what it was like for you I mean I do kind of want to talk a little bit I mean I know your your audience is probably male and female but well okay so so how did it change how did your routine change and how did you adapt with a new family? So, so, so okay. take me from, okay, we're, we're, we're going to ha- have a family. Mm-hmm. The time is, you know, a few months away when, when that's going to happen all the way through where we are now. And, and how did that change what you did and the routine? What did that look like? Yeah, I mean, that was, so my goal of having a home gym came from the fact that I knew I wanted to have a family and I knew I wanted to do that at home. And it wasn't just, you know, the commute or whatnot. But for me, it was obviously giving myself an easier time to make it happen, but also to show my child or child singular that this is what you can do. Like this is this is what mommy does. So it's normalizing. It's normalizing. Yeah, because especially for women, I mean, a lot of stigmas that women my age have came from their parents and their mothers and how they talked about their bodies. And I had the goal that I wanted to make it as normal as possible, that women are strong. Women can lift just as much as men and, you know, whole feminist kind of thing there. But just, I wouldn't say feminist. I would say don't discount me just because of the way I look. I wouldn't say feminist or, or feminism. 
in in the traditional sense of the word i would just say like don't discount me from the way i look don't judge a book by its cover yep and so you know we have our home gym we got it the summer i was pregnant and so you know obviously having the baby you take time off you take did you still did you stop or slow down before no because i I remember our first our first appointment with (laughs) i say the doctor it was not a doctor there was no medical degree for this individual had and <laughs> I, what was the what, what did they tell you? Because you you left almost immediately after this was said. Oh yeah, uh, that that lady knew we weren't going to be we weren't going to have a relationship. Um, her instruction, she was just going over her general. This is how she works. This is what she expects and recommends. And one of the first things was the first thing was do not lift anything heavier than twenty five to thirty pounds, which is the size of if you had a small child at home. And I went. I deadlifted 165 this morning, so that was bad. And um, she just kind of was Eyes like, bugged out uh, her head. no, that's so unsafe. That wasn't in the script and, I was given. I don't remember that. Yeah. And, you know, so I knew right then and there that that was not going to work. So I knew I had to find a doctor that would support me and my lifestyle and the things that I knew were okay because studies show. Right, all the all this all the work that you had done up to that point. Yeah. yeah, and studies show that you know your level of fitness before pregnancy and leading up to it can be most obviously safely maintained, um, and that's a big misconception of pregnancy and women in general. And you know, I continue to work out, and luckily, my I had a scheduled C section, so I worked up until the day I knew I had to to go in. So the day before I gave birth, I was working out, and obviously that changes over the course of the trimesters, but you know, it doesn't mean you have to stop and sit and just eat everything in sight. And actually, ironically, it's pretty hard to eat when you get close to the end because you don't have a lot of room in there. So let me ask you a question and and I'm going to be the guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, what is it called? Mansplain. I'm going to mansplain. Oh, real yeah. quick. No, it, well. it's a question. <laughs> Do you find that some of your clients or maybe even not none of your clients, maybe it's just somebody that you've seen or overheard, do they use it as an excuse, the pregnancy? Do they use the pregnancy as an excuse to not do stuff, to not eat right, to not exercise? Um, you or know do you feel funny? people do? The people that I know and work with, obviously I surround myself with like-minded individuals, and I only follow, like, you know, on social media, you follow, you know, in your little bubble. Um And of course, in the mom groups, I see women that not necessarily use it as an excuse, but that just don't understand like how beneficial it really can be for you. Um, The more mistakes I see are after the fact, after you have the baby. Um, Okay. Because, well, we don't personally have a good standard of care after pregnancy. I mean, you think about it. You go to the doctor 17,000 times, the baby comes, you see you once, and then they, they write you off. And that's it. And that is the most important time for you to be taking care of yourself and your body. And that's kind of what led me to get the certification so that I can actually legally and confidently help people do that. Because, you know, you could use all the excuses in the world, but usually most people are doing the wrong thing because they just don't know. And they want to get their baby body back, a post pre baby body back and things like that. And they go about it in a very not so good, dan- potentially dangerous way. So you you understood that your body before child, your body after child was not going to be, it was going to be different. They're going, going to, to be, be different, different, but it doesn't mean one's better than the other. 
they're just different. So what do your routine look like after child? So after, um, you know, being on maternity leave, I just, I took advantage of having the time to go for walks. That was the first thing I started with because you really shouldn't be doing any activity until probably six, eight weeks after, even for somebody that was super fit before. Um, so yeah, we did, baby and I did a lot of walks, just got outside, got in the sunshine and I slowly started to incorporate light weights back in, um, really focused more on my core and rehab there because especially with a C-section, you know, things are just all moved around and very different. they, They cut through it all. It's literally healing. Yeah. Um, and I was very cautious getting back because like I didn't have any feeling in my like lower pelvic area for a while. It was probably a couple of months. Um, but then after about three months is when I really started to get back into it and he was thankfully sleep a good sleeper. And so that allowed me to still get up in the mornings and have that me time. I've always been a a morning workout person. I've tried the afternoon and evening thing. It just doesn't work for me. Um, Again, everybody's different. I know you prefer to do it in the afternoon or well, later on. that's because I'm not up in the morning because I hate mornings. <laughs> yeah. But even still, if you were, you seem to prefer, I do. you know, going out on your bike or having in the said that, Yeah. So having said that, it is cooler in the mornings, and that is nice. This time of year? Well, it's cooler in the mornings, I would argue, oh, every well, time of sorry, year. sorry. I meant But the it's better nicer <laughs> yeah. because it's cooler in the morning. Yeah. Um, during the summer months. But yeah. it's, still, it's still tough for me, so. Yeah. That's why. But again, everybody's different. Yeah. Um, well, in, in some schedules might not accommodate that if you yeah, work at an overnight different. shift. Exactly. So, you know, for me, my my routine didn't, I would say didn't really change, but that's because I didn't let it change. I wanted to keep it the same, especially knowing I was going back to work. You know, the mornings were the only time I had. And there were times where he would wake up at like, I remember four in the morning. And I'm like, God, I just had like 45 more minutes or an hour, you know, before my alarm went off and. I would have to feed him and put him back down. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm already up. Let's do this. You know, just get started early and instead of going back to bed. And, you know, that doesn't always work because sometimes you just need sleep. But how? Okay. So sometimes you said sometimes you just need sleep. What should someone prioritize? It, it, speaking personal wellness mm-hmm. all the way through for, from from your mental aspect. Obviously, we're focusing here on the nutrition, the physical side of personal wellness, which can lead to a a more stable mental state. One could mm-hmm. argue, right? I'm sure there's science around that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, heck, I've watched Legally Blonde when she <laughs> talks about it. we release this endorphins. You can't <laughs> be mad when you're on endorphins. Yeah. Great movie, uh, but. When you, when you talk about prioritizing things, should you prioritize sleep maybe sometimes over working out? Yes, because if you just continue to work out and you haven't been sleeping well, you won't get any. You, well, you won't get any. You won't get the best results you could get. And eventually you'll burn out and you'll cause a whole slew of other issues, chemical reaction issues in your body that you will have to fix before you can really make any results, you know. For so don't example, take the speed pills to try to stay up to do a workout. If, if you feel no. like your body needs sleep, do it. But also don't use it as a crutch and just say, oh, I'm too tired to work out and then go to sleep every time. Yep. And I would say if your goal is to work out in the morning, you know, prioritizing your sleep starts the night before, not the morning of. You know, you need to find a good bedtime routine, whether it's a nice cup of herbal tea or a hot bath or shower or 
a book or, you know, for us, it's like, all right, we know this show and then we know we're going to be out. So, um, you know, just having those routines just like you would in the morning, the night before, super important. I mean, we do that for children. All these sleep training things for kids are all about their nighttime routine to get them the best sleep. Why don't we do that as adults? Well, kind of going back to what you talked about with uh, after pregnancy, you're not prioritized anymore. You see yeah. a bunch before and never after. It sounds like it's something similar. We, we do this so much during our younger years or it's done to us during our younger years. You've got to be here then. You need to sleep. You need mm-hmm. eight hours. And then when you get to be an adult, it's almost it's almost as though it is cool or the less sleep you get, the more you can do with less yeah. sleep, the better you are. There, there's some, you know, obviously really successful I'm people sure. that say, oh, I get four hours of sleep a night. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry for you. I love my seven, eight hours of sleep yeah. a night. I love it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And again, it's, I think a lot of that just comes from the goals that you want to set for yourself. Well. Setting the right goals. Yeah. So, so in the last episode, I talked about hobbies and staying active. Do you feel there are hobbies that tie into personal wellness and maybe even some hobbies that can help you along that journey? Yeah, there are. Um, It's hard for me because fitness is my hobby. So um, I would say, you know, the people that like to hike and go see places, that's a great active hobby. Um, Biking, you know, bike riding, obviously that's, a fitness thing, but there are people that that's their hobby. I mean, my boss at work, he, he bikes, he travels, he does all that stuff because of biking. Um, you know, there are people that like to climb and I would say a lot of the outdoorsy things are really good because, you know, when you're inside moving, unless you're like shopping at the mall, you know, it's hard for me to think of what else. Well, <laughs> you, you know, know I just thought of one. What about in. gardening? Because we, we talk about nutrition, and I know there are some yeah. people that are very sensitive to certain allergens or whatever mm-hmm. that, that a lot of manufacturing processes have. And we just, you I say we, you, <laughs> Me. started a garden this year. It was uh, kind of your first yeah. foray into it. And I love learning through osmosis from you as it relates to that. Do you think that gardening could be a hobby that relates? I don't know about the staying active part, truthfully. I mean, you have to go walk your garden, but my garden's not very big, so I wouldn't say that's like an active personal wellness. Yes, because it can be relaxing and meditative. I mean, that's what it does for me. Oh, Um, so you're not even talking about the harvest aspect of it. You're talking about hands in the dirt, mind off everything else, almost like a a meditative or zen state. Yeah, I don't know that, you know, obviously you grow nutritious, clean food, but Cause you're not being going to be growing chicken nuggets, but damn it. Um, yeah, to me, I wouldn't, that's even like the last part of it for me, especially cause that comes all the way at the end. It's if it's a hobby, it's the parts you're doing well to make it produce a harvest. So. Okay. So, so you're saying that if you're taking care of the physical with the exercise and the active hobbies like hiking or biking or, or rowing or kayaking or whatever, you could potentially incorporate something that is more Zen like gardening or yeah. reading. I mean, you, reading a book about nutrition, reading a book about mental health, about physical fitness yeah. could I mean, help. Actually going back to probably one of the more popular fitness trends. Um, it's called 75 hard and Andy Frisella, who's the CEO of first form and a 
a company I actually used to work with and it's a very popular thing, you know, for 75 days straight, you do two 45 minute workouts a day. One of them has to be outside rain or shine. And, you know, part of it is no drinking and reading 10 pages of a, a book, a book that will better yourself. And I believe a lot of the habits that that challenge promotes are very tied into personal wellness and just bettering yourself. Um, the part I don't agree with is that for 75 days, you're, you're potentially burning yourself out, which is not very good. And well, I know a lot like of people you talked about the reverse dieting thing. How do you get back after 75 on day 76? Do you just shut it off or just two 45 minute workouts a day with no break is actually pretty detrimental physically for the wrong, for certain people. Um, so especially if you haven't been doing things and it could be, you know, one of them's a walk, but still, um, not giving yourself a break, I think is very harmful. I think it just produces bad habits and habits I used to have. So, <laughs> mm, you know, okay. yeah, there you go. So goals, you mentioned goals, um, before I jumped into hobbies and stuff and, and goals are a big thing. Goals in, in, in all walks of life, doesn't matter really what you're doing. Um, having a goal is key to staying on track, whatever that finish line is. You need to know where the finish line is to understand how to get there. Cause if you can't see it, how the heck are you going to get there? Um, I'm guessing your journey was not without its own goals. Would you mind sharing some of the goals as it relates to personal wellness that you had and or have and what you did or what you're doing or going to do to reach them? Yeah. So uh, like we talked about, a lot of my goals were really back in the day around the bodybuilding or the Spartan races. And I was the type of person that I needed some sort of milestone or something that I needed to go do to prove what I was doing. Otherwise, I probably would have been pretty lazy about it. Like for me, it was never really about losing. I actually needed to gain weight. So like for our wedding, I think that was our. So my first goal before our wedding was to do a Spartan race. And so I set the goal of I was going to do a thousand burpees like the month before because I knew I was going to fail half those challenges and have to do the burpee penalty. Um, and so that was one, you know, for the wedding, I was like, I want to gain a certain amount of weight and muscle so I could fill out my dress. And there goes our badass. female demographic. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, but a lot of my other goals were really tied to races and things. Um, I needed some sort of like physical checkpoint to go do it. Um, now it's hard because I don't really have a lot of goal. I think my next goal is I want to be able to run five miles again without stopping. I was able to do it last year, you know, when we were home in quarantine and just all you could really do was run walk. But you know, that's one of my goals. I want to be able to up the weights that I use for my workouts. And those are just the kind of things that I look for now is because I don't know, I guess I'm pretty comfortable with where I am, but I don't want to stay comfortable. So I have to just slowly push those boundaries, you know, for, for people starting out, a lot of them are going to do it because they want to lose weight and, you know, some other goals. But that is that a, is that a goal? I mean, I, I would argue, and this may be an unpopular opinion. I think that losing weight is a byproduct. I don't think it, it's necessarily a goal. I know, but that's not how a lot of other people think. So, so you're saying, so what is the goal then? So, so you're saying other people's goal is yep. I want to lose weight. So yeah. what should their goals be then? How yep. could you change their mind? Yeah. And that's, um, so one of the reasons I think it was my second certification was behavioral change. And that course was all about how to set 
smarter goals, you know, the uh, measurable, attainable, all that oh, cliche smart. stuff. Yeah, S-M-A-R-T. They didn't call it smart. They had something different. That's but the corporate version. Yeah, yeah, it's a corporate. I can't get corporate out of me. Um, so, you know, that was all about trying to talk with people about what your goals really are. Because, yes, the losing weight is a byproduct. It's not only a byproduct, but it's not really a, a goal that's going to satisfy you because what happens when you lose those 20 pounds? What, what, then what, then what, or how are you going to feel? Is that going to make you any happier really? And the answer for most people, when I really get into these conversations with them is not really, but it's, I just want to feel better in my clothes or I want to be able to wear a tank top without being embarrassed about my arms, um, stuff like that. And they can be physical goals for sure. Um, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. Um, I have a goal after 35 to do one more bodybuilding competition and compete There's in the masters be more than one. Well, just There's one. Gonna I'm one. just going to say one to compete in the master category, you know, and you know, I always try to focus on goals that are more about how you feel, because I think if you can feel it, then you can still measure it. Um, so kind of like you're running five miles goal. Yeah, it's I'm not It's more saying... about how you feel. Because let's be completely honest. If somebody was chasing you with a knife, you could probably run five miles. Oh, I could yeah. probably run five miles. I'm going to be dead that. at the end anyways, which completely de- <laughs> defeats the point of running away from the person with the knife. Yeah. But I see what you're saying. It's it's about how you feel. And the, the goal will eventually be measurable, right? Hey, I did run five miles. But the best part is... I can still walk to the refrigerator or up and down these stairs. Yeah, or eventually you can say, I want to do it in X amount of time. People typically will start out too too detailed in their goals. Um, very specific, and I that's the S in the smart is, but I don't believe in the specific part of it. To For somebody who's just starting, I think you need to do something that's a little bit smaller and more attainable because just like you turn cleaning into a game for your kid when it's fun and you're winning, you want to do it more. But if it's something that's like kind of ambiguous, especially when it comes to a weight loss number, because there are so many factors that influence weight. Um, For example, I could show you pictures of after I had the baby and six months later, I weighed the exact same, but I looked totally different. Um, So there's just things like that that will really mess with your mind in that whole process. Um, so pick something, you know, if it's an event you have to go to and you want to just find something that you look good and feel good in, make that your goal. I just want to feel good in this dress. It's super simple, but that's all it is. And you're just working towards that. And that's it. So for somebody starting out on a journey, a journey of personal wellness to include diet, nutrition, and exercise, what would be something that you would tell them to help get them started and to set them up for success in the long run? Somebody brand new, just yeah. coming into this. It, okay, let, let me let me rephrase. Okay, I have an answer. Well, okay, <laughs> this may change it. I invented a time machine. I'm giving you the opportunity to go back and talk to your 19-year-old self. You're not quite 20. And, and quite frankly, that's why I created this podcast. I created this podcast to 
basically say, if I could do it all over again, and if I could talk to myself as a 19-year-old, here are the things that I would tell myself. You have the opportunity now to talk to your 19-year-old self, to, to get started on a journey of personal wellness, Ugh. and to set yourself up for success. What do you tell yourself? Oh, man. Ah, see, it did change. A little bit. But the first part is what I will add to it, not change, is I wish I could go back and tell my 19-year-old self that your body appearance doesn't matter as much as how you carry yourself. And that's what's important. Your confidence is more important. And you're going to get there by being consistent in what you do. So consistency is key. It's super cliche. You hear it from probably every personal trainer, but that consistency just needs to be doing, well, Miranda's famous saying, is more than nothing. So the days you don't feel like doing anything, just do more than nothing. And that could be it could be anything. That could be just going for a walk instead of your workout, instead of, you know, sitting on the couch eating Cool Ranch Doritos, because that is something I may or may not have done in my past. And I have not lived down yet. Absolutely not. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's, so you tell your 19 year old self confidence and the way you carry yourself is more important than the way you look in the mirror, Mm -hmm. but to improve the way you see yourself is consistency. Yep. Do more than nothing. Do more than nothing. Doing a little something. Couch to 5k. That was another thing I remember was big oh gosh five oh, years ago that's still a great there couch to 5k yeah. hey, shout out we'll link Absolutely, it in the, in the show yeah. notes below definitely so yeah couch to 5k and i think their model was you're lapping everybody on the couch oh yeah that's what it was it's yeah it's true it doesn't matter how far you go you've just lapped everybody on the couch i like that so do more than nothing yep. you'll lap everybody on the couch well cassie thank you Thank you for sitting down, for having the discussion. I was going to say coming out and coming over, but yeah. quite frankly, you live here. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining me to uh, to discuss personal wellness. And I know we focused a lot on physical and and a little bit on the nutrition side of things and less so on the mental, but that again, it also plays to your strength and that's what you have your certifications and things in. The, there is one last question that I ask every guest, as you know, mm-hmm. and I'd love to hear what your answer is and if if you have a story i'd love to hear that as well and that is again going back to why i created this podcast is to be able to talk to my younger self if i could do it if i could talk to myself what would i do i would try to give myself some advice because i didn't learn a lot when i was younger i learned it later in life so what is something that you learned later in life that had such an impact on you that you couldn't believe that you hadn't learned about it sooner Yeah, so I thought about this for a while, and it's that everybody likes to be communicated to differently. And what I mean by that is, you know, the person that you, you know, one person that you're friends with might like to just deal with text messages. You know, you text them, they're going to respond. But if you call them, they're never going to pick up their phone. Or somebody, you could text them, but you're like, I'm not getting what So I just need to call them because they're better on the phone and understanding that, especially now in a world of e-communications is what I think I, or what I wish I had learned a long time ago, because 
I learned it from a boss I had at a company down here and it was the most info like life changing phrase ever because I started to not just hide behind the keyboard and I went to go talk to people or I knew there were people that I'm just not going to go talk to. I'm just going to email them. I'll get a better, faster response. Um, so just take note and don't be afraid to ask somebody, you know, hey, how how can I best, you know, reach you, whether it's in your personal or professional life. And I think you'll get a lot further and be a lot less frustrated for sure. Um, trying to get a hold of different people. So That's a great point. Gosh, I never I really didn't think you were going to talk about communication and, and a personal <laughs> wellness thing, but it, it absolutely plays into it because as a trainer, you need to figure out the best way to reach your client. Oh, yeah, and, especially remote. Right. And and so I'm a firearms instructor and I have to do that for my clients and my students as well is does this person need me to yell at them to motivate them or does this person need me to baby them to motivate them or is it yeah. different by day do they prefer, you know, what, what speaks to them? And in your point is how can I reach this person? I feel like they need to veto. How can I reach these kids? Mm-hmm. Um, how, how, how can I get this person to communicate effectively with me? And when you said in today's environment of e-communication, so email, text message, instant message, whatever that is, yep. Now everybody's gone. Well, I say everybody. There are a lot more companies. There are a lot more. There's a lot a bigger emphasis now on communication behind a keyboard or communication behind a camera yeah. lens and a screen than there ever was in the past. And what you're saying is find out from each person in your personal life, your professional life, what is the best way to, they want to be communicated with. Yep. And let it known how you want to be communicated with. Like, I always prefer face-to-face. I'm old school. We didn't have all these e-communication tools, you know, (laughs) when I first started working in an office even. So, um, yeah, that's just the biggest thing that's helped me. And it applies to personal wellness. It applies to personal life, professional life. Personal wellness can include more than just the gym and and their kitchen, right? Personal wellness can include the workplace, can include... The family dynamic it, and all that stuff, yeah. It should, and if it doesn't, that means you're probably not doing it right. You're, you're, you're something's missing, right? The, and I said this on the podcast with Aaron when we talked about uh, you know work life balance. It was, it was not work life balance. Um, th- there's more to synergy. It. It, that right, was the word. There's a synergy there, right? You, they need to coexist. You can't yeah. say I'm going to turn this one off and turn that one on. That's what balance yeah. implies, and coexistence is is that yeah well thank you for sharing that i also like to say thank you again for for chatting about this with me and for agreeing to come on the podcast i know it's something that nobody likes listening to their own voice nobody does and now you've got it piped in your own ears as we're sitting here listening it's it's not fun but i knew that you had a lot of information to share and i also knew that some people might benefit from it and if somebody who is listening does benefit from it or wants to learn more or wants to contact you, what is the best way that they could reach you? Uh, probably either uh, I've got a blog site or my Instagram uh, containing Cassie and it's containing Cassie.wordpress.com. We can link it in the show notes and I'll put some of the posts I mentioned like about how to meal prep and plan in 10 minutes and some of the other things in here as well. Um, Cause it's just, 
just again me I uh I don't do podcasts I typically write and that's how I prefer my communication yeah, no. style and here I am throwing you into the deep oh, end. oh yeah um so yeah so my blog probably has a lot more information than I even talked about <laughs> just because that's how I roll <laughs> and it, you have the more the ability to have more time right we're limited on time of course okay. so yeah but I will say uh, for the listeners, yes, we will absolutely link all that stuff in the show notes. I'll make sure that she sends that information over to me, right? Follow up, all that kind of stuff. What is it called? Circle back. That's what Circle Sasky back. says. Oh, What's her last name? Pasaski? I don't even know. Is that a silent P? I don't watch the news anymore. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, we'll circle back to that. <laughs> uh, but we will absolutely link all of that in the show notes and everything that we talked about on this episode. And, and on the next episode... Uh, could go ahead and, and throw this out there on the next episode i will be joined by another special guest and we will be discussing financial well-being if you have any feedback feel free to send me an email at podcast at therenpo.com that's t-h-e-r-e-n-p-o.com i would also appreciate it if you left a review wherever you podcast that helps this show be discoverable to others and helps me understand where things can be improved don't forget to subscribe and auto-download new episodes so you don't miss any of the future topics. Thank you for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.